Welcome to School Biz Chat with Kim Cranston, OASBO Executive Director. Each episode of this podcast is dedicated to discussing events and issues that affect the people who are in the business of supporting students. Now, let's take a few minutes to see what's going on in the school business world. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this edition of School Biz Chat. I am delighted that we have Elika Yost, who is ASPO International's Director of Advocacy, joining us today to talk about what is definitely a hot topic, and that is the U.S. government debt ceiling. As I think most of you are aware, there is a deadline of June 1 where something has to be done about that or else the U.S. government is not going to be able to fulfill their financial obligations. So, Elika, thank you. And before we get into all of this, in my mind, when I think of the debt ceiling, which I'm just going to tell you, I think it's kind of an odd term, but it's the maximum amount of debt that the U.S. government can borrow to pay their bills. And it's not unusual for their financial obligations to exceed this credit limit and it gets adjusted. But given our current political climate and environment, it has definitely become the hot potato in Congress. So is that how you would explain it to people so that they just get what the debt ceiling is? Yeah, no, actually, I think that's a very succinct way to to sum up what is a very, I guess, kind of complicated conversation that's been happening on the Hill. So one, thank you for having me on today to kind of talk about this and break this down as far as what the debt ceiling is and, and why school business officials should be paying attention to this. But yeah, Kim, I think I think you, you know, summed it up quite well. And and I would just reiterate that this all has to deal with you know, expenses that, you know, the the federal government has to pay for, for things that are already on the books now. These are, you know, laws and proposals that were, you know, already enacted by prior Congresses, prior administrations. So this doesn't really have to do with, you know, approving new spending for new things. This is just making sure that they can pay the bills that are already on the books right now. Right. Right. Uh, Because I think that's real important for people to understand. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of this, you know, people are like, oh, you know, we're already spending so much, we shouldn't be spending anymore. And it's like that that's kind of irrelevant to this conversation about the debt ceiling. This is just making sure that there's enough credit authority allowed to pay for the bills that are already ongoing. And 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 this is not the first time, you know, that we've been here politically right. to to have this discussion. I mean, anytime that a debt ceiling vote is required, you basically have politicians that hope to, to God that it's not their party, you know, who's in the majority who really has to make the final call. Behind the scenes, no one wants to, to have to really deal with this. They know it's a necessary evil to have to kind of make this vote to keep increasing uh, the, the ceiling or the limit. Um, they just want to be able to hope that they're in the minority to score the political talking points of, you know, promoting fiscal sustainability and reigning in spending, you know, when they can. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff in the media right now that, that you're hearing these heated discussions, a lot of this is political posturing. You're approaching an election cycle. Um, folks want to show that, you know, they're they're trying to to rein in spending, you know, right now. But ultimately, no matter what party is in charge, you would have it where they would want to increase the limit. So I, I'm thinking about our members and ASBO members. So I'm in a school district. We're closing out the school year. We've probably been through or still involved in a volatile state legislative session because the state politics are very much alive and well too. 
why should I pay any attention to this? What impact could this possibly have on me and my school district? Right. So a lot of this is the devil in the details. It's it's the issue of what kind of agreement is struck in order to raise this limit? What concessions are made in order to get this issue kind of taken care of? And that's where you have Democrats that want just, you know, a vote on the debt ceiling by itself, just a clean vote, like raise it, let's be done with this, move on. And then we could talk about, you know, spending for the next federal fiscal year. And just as frame of reference, the next fiscal year is FY24. So this would be the federal funding that would affect school district budgets in the 24-25 school year. So when we're talking about all this, this is talking about future funding right. for schools, right? Yeah, so Republicans are saying, look, we'll we'll agree to vote to raise the debt ceiling, but we want concessions. We want reassurance that we're going to be reining in future federal spending in, in, in the long run. So if we're going to raise the debt ceiling to take care of this immediate default concern, we want to make sure that, you know, this isn't continuing to climb, that that we're we're reining in spending down the road. And how that would be achieved is through budget caps. So basically, it would limit future future federal investment in in federal programs, whether that's education programs, nutrition, health, I mean, really anything that the federal government funds. So we're looking at how this agreement will affect future federal education funding in the 2024 fiscal year. So the 24-25 school year, if you're talking about, you know, we want concessions to protect defense programs, which is a big priority for the, the Republican Party, that and we also want to rein in overall spending, then that is going to require limits or cuts on non-defense programs. So education, nutrition, health, that sort of thing. And I think that's where the big concern is, is what will this deal look like? And what does this mean for cuts to things like Title I or IDEA, or maybe specific competitive grants or award programs that districts are applying for and relying on, you know, federal funding for. So that's that's one aspect of it. The, the other is, let's say we can't agree on a deal. Um, let's say cr- gridlock in Congress just gets so bad and there, you know, a, a default happens. Then the question is, is what is the financial impact of that on schools. And a lot of that depends on how long this crisis, you know, is drawn out and when the default happens. So our first immediate item of concern is if a default happens before July 1st, this could mean that districts have delayed payments for Title I, IDEA, whatever federal funds that they typically rely on, that they would get those funds dispersed, you know, to the states and to the districts over the summer. Because if you have a federal government that says, hey, sorry, we have to halt spending on everything because we've defaulted, that means they're they're going to have delayed payments on all their programs, Social Security, Medicare, education right. programs, right. like everything, right? So the immediate thing is more of a cash flow concern. So if if they default before July 1st and all of a sudden federal government is saying, hey, we have to delay these payments, then school business officials should be ready to have some cash on hand, you know, for for cash flow purposes to make sure that they can cover what those funds would normally pay for up until the point that these payments actually do start coming through the pipeline. So that's that's the first immediate thing. If a default were to be delayed 
until after July 1st, this wouldn't be as much of an immediate impact because then all those federal grant funds would have already gone through down to states and districts. So that wouldn't be as much of an immediate concern. I think though, you know, you do have some broader macroeconomic concerns, whether you have a default or even just the threat of a default, which is the kind of financial uncertainty that this is all causing, you know, in our economy and the impact that it has on financial markets and stocks and bonds and that sort of thing. I believe there was a Moody's analysis that was recently published that said, you know, if if a default were to happen, if the debt ceiling were failed to be raised, if this were, you know, really prolonged issue, uh, then this could cost the U.S. 8 million jobs and trigger a recession on the scale of the one that happened back in 2008. So if you're looking at, you know, a recession now with all of this, many school business officials who have already weathered other recessions know that, you know, this could mean lower state revenues and aid for education as well. So if you're looking at federal cuts and then you're looking at less state revenues as well, and just a general dismal financial conditions, during school year 24-25, when federal ESSER funds are also expiring, you can see how these small things that seem like small things aren't so small anymore when they kind of compile, and it creates a much more negative financial outlook for what districts are going to be working with in terms of like just resources that are available to sustain the ESSER investments, but also, you know, maybe start new initiatives or, you know, higher up where needed. Maybe some of those things might not be possible if you're dealing with, you know, declining enrollment and some of these other factors that are also impacting your budget. That's kind of the big gloomy picture, but I do want to take a step back <laughs> and say that all of this is still speculation because we we don't know what would happen if we had a default. We've never been there. So like we can only guess just based on like, you know, prior recessions and how that stuff has kind of played out. And then the hope is, is that Congress is going to get their act together and, and, and pass an agreement that hopefully, you know, if there's going to be some some cuts on future federal funding, hopefully it might not be as bad, you know, as what Republicans have proposed already. Hopefully it might be something that, OK, maybe it's not ideal, but it's not as harmful. And I just sit here thinking about all of this. So first of all, and I I love how you've summarized it. It's not the debt ceiling being raised. It's the horse trading and politicking and concessions that will be made in order to make that happen. And that's where there is potential to affect education, because as you noted, if education funding is cut or depending on the timing of if there is a default, the payments are delayed, which impacts school districts in 24-25. And then the final piece, as you noted, the impact on markets overall and what that could mean to our economy. And as if we haven't been through enough of a rough ride with all of that. So I do appreciate you saying at this point, it is purely speculation. But I think that's the point that people need to understand. It's what's going to happen to make this occur and what will be the fallout impact of all of that on education. And we don't know yet. We don't know where that's going. And and I want to clarify because I don't think I was articulate with this. So, So with the default, with the timing of that, that July 1 date, whether it happens before or after and cash flows and all that, 
that will affect the the funding for the 23-24 school year because those are the that's next school year because that's right. when the federal dollars come down for that school year. But when we're talking about these concessions or horse trading that's going on for FY24, that is what affects the 24-25 school year. Right. Correct. So I just wanted to be clear with that because yeah. there's the short-term concern of just cash flows. Right, right now, you know, for next school year versus the, the, the longer term implications of where funding will be in, in the school year after that. And I appreciate that clarification. That's important. So, again, <laughs> not great, great stuff. And we certainly don't want to be just out there being doom, gloom, or anything like that. <laughs> but on the other hand, people need to pay attention to this because right. it could be a deal for public education. And we don't want to bury our heads in the sand and act like it's not something that could affect us. I've got too much going on over here. So I appreciate all of this. It's just saying, be aware, be watching, see what happens, see when, if it gets raised, what the concessions are. And if it doesn't and we default, then again, what will be the impact of all of that? So Elika, I really do appreciate it. I appreciate the summary and the explanations. It's very, very helpful. And I just want to thank all of you for tuning in to this edition of School Biz Chat. If you enjoyed this new episode, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. Until our next time, take care. We'll be chatting. This has been School Biz Chat with Kim Cranston. New episodes are released on the second and fourth Fridays of each month. If you have topics you'd like to be covered in the future, send Kim an email at kcranston at moasbo.org.